0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of b Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Tuesday, December 19th, 2023, talking some St. Louis Cardinals as the Redbirds still have some acquisitions to make, in my estimation, when it pertains to this pitching staff. But will it be a starting pitcher or more relief help that John Moselock and the Cardinals go out, identify, and then find a way to acquire? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about on this edition of the show. Thank you guys for being with me here. As always, click that subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner of this video. If you're watching on YouTube, on Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, make sure to hit subscribe, hit follow on those applications. As well, if you enjoy regular Cardinals content throughout the offseason, and certainly over the summer throughout the MLB season, as we'll be following along with all things Cardinals right here on the Brendan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer YouTube channel. Okay, so let's get into some recent comments made by John Mosaylock to Tom Ackerman on KMOX, because we've kind of been expecting that the Cardinals would be active in the relief market. I think that's still the likelihood, probably the most likely thing that we see. But I thought this was an interesting answer that I I saw it making the rounds on Twitter, and then Tom, um, making sure to give the full context, he posted the clip from the, I believe it was Sports on a Sunday morning, the show that Tom does on KMOX. And he's of course the um, director over at KMOX sports director. And you may have heard him, Tom Ackerman on some Cardinal broadcasts on Bally sports on the TV side this past season, he got a few opportunities to stand in for uh, Mr. Carey, which I think he did a great job doing that. But uh, this is some audio that I want to play for you because the, the, again, the clip was shared and then Tom Ackerman shared the entire clip. So I'm going to include a little bit more context of the full question that Tom Ackerman He and John Moselak going back and forth talking about obviously the pitching situation for the Cardinals, but Tom asking about the notion of whether the Cardinals would consider potentially still a starting pitcher option as a way to continue to make out their their pitching staff, right? They view it maybe in a more holistic way is what I'm thinking from the answer that John Moselak gave not necessarily starter or reliever but need innings need quality innings and find a way to get through games so I'm going to play this clip. You'll hear Tom Ackerman ask John Mosalak the question, and then you'll hear Mo's answer. And we'll talk about kind of what we think. Again, this is from Sports on a Sunday Morning, KMOX, Tom Ackerman and Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak. I know that I have, well, I'm going to, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to assume that you leave the door open. If anything presents itself starter-wise, still, like you, it's always a fluid situation, and you leave it open. I also recall, in terms of depth, the fact that you know, if somebody does go down, what do you do? And do you feel pretty good about that at the moment?
1: I mean, I, I do think we, we feel okay about it. But to your point, you know, why close doors today? I mean, there's there's still plenty of time in this off season, and there, there could be something that presents itself. It just makes sense. And, you know, we actually like our bullpen. I think, you know, we're, we, we do think like the Helsley Gallegos and Romero are a pretty good way to finish a game and they give you some flexibility. And, you know, I do feel like Gallegos did not have the year he hoped last year, but I think, you know, ending the season on the IL gave him additional time to rest. Um, right now he seems to be having a very normal and, and, and um, I'd say like uh positive off season. So, you know, we're hoping Gallegos gets back to what we saw a couple of years ago and, and gives us that sort of flexibility. So when you think about adding a rotation arm still versus bullpen, all we want to do is shorten this game. You know, it's nine innings and the, the deeper we can go with our starters, the better our, our bullpen will be regardless who's in it. So, um, that's really been the key of this off season. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to work that way through, uh, through the remainder uh, two months before we get down to Jupiter.
0: So interesting thoughts there from John Mosalak and the question from Tom Ackerman. He does a great job on KMOX. What do we think about that? The idea that the Cardinals are just looking to shorten games and the specific way you go about doing that isn't necessarily what's as important to this team. You could go about it a couple of ways. You could have a more robust starting rotation guys that maybe not only go deep into games but do so effectively looking for maybe a top-end starter an ace via the trade market perhaps because even though the Yoshinobu Yamamoto sweepstakes certainly seem to be heating up I don't get the sense that the Cardinals are in the market there just based on the financials of what's expected to take place and sure you can make an argument that hey well couldn't the Cardinals do it this way or could they structure a salary that way could they do what Shohei Otani has done with the Dodgers and defer a lot of money. Well, the Cardinals have a, a history of deferrals, and they, they they utilize that as an active part of their structure already. But I think if, and again, are the rumors of potentially $300 million offers being made to Yamamoto real or fantasy? Jeff Passan kind of uh, threw some cold water on that and said there hasn't really been those types of offers yet, even though it had been previous re- previously reported by other outlets that that was the case for Yamamoto. Um, but saying, Passan said, you know that re- the, the numbers game hasn't really taken place yet with Yamamoto. That's all expected to sort of heat up right now in, in the next few days of actual formal offers going to Yamamoto when he picks a place to play. I just don't think that's going to be the answer for the Cardinals. But we do know that there are options via trade that this team could look to explore. And Dylan Cease is a name that comes up. We know that Tyler Glass. Now the ship has sailed on that. Is he? also will be joining the Dodgers. They are doing a great job of forming a potential super team. Pitching was maybe the question mark that that team had coming into this year, given that their big expenditure, Otani, is not going to be pitching in 2024 due to having an unknown elbow surgery. We don't know the exact procedure that he had. It'll come out in time, but they've been pretty hush-hush about that. But they needed some pitching. Okay, so they go and get Glass now, who they believe has a lot of upside. They signed him to a pretty big extension. I think he got like five years, $135 million. It's like $27 million per for a guy who threw his career high in innings like just last year, I believe, the 120 innings that he threw I think was either his career high or the, the highest he had thrown in a number of years. That's the route the Dodgers are cho- choosing to go. What's the route that the Cardinals are going to choose to go? And I think some insight from John Moselak there was good because he says, why close doors, right, at this point in the process Coming up on Christmas, there'll be a bit of a hiatus, I imagine, in the markets for that. And then you really could see a sprint to the finish as we get to early January. Um, And then by the time winter warm-up rolls around in mid-January, typically the Cardinals have the majority of their main roster intact. And so you'll be looking over the next three weeks or so, maybe four weeks or so, as to whether the Cardinals make any major additions. Um, I'm thinking you could see one before New Year's, honestly, whether it happens in the the lead-up to Christmas or it happens kind of in that week in between the two holidays, we'll see. But I wouldn't be surprised to see if the Cardinals made a move there. And the most likely to me, despite kind of the, I'm not going to call it a red herring that Mosellex says, hey, why close doors? Uh, just the notion that this leaves open the possibility of a move for a starter. Sure, it leaves that possibility open. But don't hear what he's not saying. He's not saying, hey, we think we're going to add a starter. That's the way that we're going to go about this. I think he's saying, look, we should be open to all possibilities of exploration To improve this pitching staff and if a starter not to say it would fall into their laps, but if something should become available that meets their price point via trade or via free agency, even um, it wouldn't make sense for the Cardinals to look away from that. You know, they should explore every uh, opportunity and every alternative to the route that I expect them to go, which is sign a, a free agent reliever or two. and Yuki Matsui, I think, is a name that makes a lot of sense. He has continued to uh, kind of get some some pub in terms of the Cardinals' level of interest. Uh, Mark Feinstein reported that he was meeting with the Cardinals over the past week. That's an interesting tidbit because we knew that the Cardinals probably had some interest, but uh, the notion of a formal meeting is very interesting for Yuki Matsui, a left-handed reliever, 28 years old, out of Japan, and has had some really nice numbers over there, Over the past couple of years uh, for Rakuten, the Golden Eagles, I believe, is his team over there. He's thrown about 51 innings in each of the last two seasons with good strikeout numbers of 72 Ks and 83 Ks the previous year. So that is a a really nice strikeout uh, to innings ratio, if you will, Ks per nine of 11.13 or 11.3 and 14.5. Like he's got good strikeout numbers in a league where it can be difficult to strike guys out. So I think Matsui would be a slam dunk for the Cardinals. And you heard Moselak in the clip there with Tom Ackerman saying, We actually like the bullpen, the way that the bullpen lays out. And you might think, Well, that's interesting because we thought that the bullpen would need, you know, some major shakeup in order to kind of improve from what it was last year. Really, you just need better health. That's kind of a scary thing to count on, though. But if you just look on paper, I do agree with Moselak that you've got some pieces to work with. Jojo Romero. Uh, establishing himself down the stretch, that may be the, the bright spot or the 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 fortunate point of having so many injuries like Helsley and like Gallegos having some struggles and then having some injuries in his own right. That may be the bright spot of that is that you got an opportunity by force, essentially, um, to put Jojo Romero into positions that he had never really experienced in the big leagues too much. And Romero so- showed that he can do it. Like, that's something that the Cardinals learned down the stretch, and I think they learned it for the better. Left-handed reliever that can handle leverage, okay, that's a that's a check mark in your pocket. Ryan Helsley, when healthy, I think can be another guy that you can trust at the back end of games. Giovanni Gallegos mentioned there, and Moselak talking about he had some injuries last year. He's had a good offseason. We're feeling good about where he is. I've never heard John Moselak say anything else about relievers in December, January. So take that, you know, with a little bit of a grain of salt. But if Gallegos can get back to being A force, And if you can add one more arm to kind of put him in the seventh inning role, more so than the eighth or the ninth inning role, I think that would be a benefit to the Cardinals. And I think Matsui could be that guy. From the left side, you go Matsui Romero, and then from the right, you have Helsley, and then Gallegos is part of that mix as a right-hander who you probably don't want in the ninth inning in the case of Gallegos. But historically, you've been able to trust him in some leverage situations in the seventh and eighth. Um, when he goes into the ninth, it, it seems to be, I don't know if it's a if it's a mental block for him or what the case is, but he has not seemingly been as efficient or as effective in the ninth inning role. But I, that would be a good start if you had that kind of foursome. And it would also allow, because are there concerns about whether Helsley can go back to backs and, and, and his workload? Durability has obviously been a, a hot button issue when it comes to Ryan Helsley the last couple of years. Fair or unfair, that's been the nature of the discussion. Having more options that you trust in late game situations is a benefit to Ryan Helsley and the entire pitching staff. If in fact, that just has to be kind of the the book out on him is you don't want to overexpose him because you risk injury. You risk maybe lack of sharpness, lack of effectiveness. Again, I think the narrative while it's there's it's there for a reason. I can make a case that it's a little bit unfair and a little bit overblown to him specifically, just because of the fact that a lot of relief pitchers, pitchers in general tend to get injured. And why, you know, should it be the case that you harp on one particular guy for his lack of durability? I think that was a case of he, you could look at him as sort of a flashpoint of what the Cardinals season was, is like on the offensive side, you had Tyler O'Neill. that, hey, we, Cardinals need reliability. They need somebody that can be out there and can be trusted upon and relied upon. And Tyler O'Neill wasn't that. And so everybody pointed to that and said, that's the, the microcosm of what's wrong with the team in the season. Maybe that was a bit of what Ryan Helsley got on the, the the relief pitching and the pitching side, fair or unfair. It's sort of like, okay, this was a microcosm of what happened to the Cardinals this year. They just didn't have enough guys that were proven that they knew they could rely upon in terms of just being out there and, and being able to fill those roles. So whether it's fair or not, it's good to have other options and to have depth in that bullpen. That's why it's interesting to me that Moselak says, we feel good about where our bullpen is because I think you do have those three guys that you like. I think John King is another guy from the left side that showed down the stretch after the trade from Texas. Like, Hey, he can mix in and and be a factor Uh, maybe not in a leverage spot, but, but in, in some spot or another, I do think you could use some more power from the right side, just given the injury histories of Gallegos and he's been mostly very durable. I shouldn't paint him with a broad brush as a guy who gets injured, but Helsley has had his uh, obviously injuries and, and, you know, different situations that have, revolved around him. So I think more proven reliability from the right side, honestly, of the bullpen would be nice because when you think of other guys that could be in this mixture and I'll try to pull up the Cardinals roster here um, to make sure I'm not forgetting anybody and and throw down in the YouTube comment section below. If you've got a reliever, you think the Cardinals should target or somebody on the roster that you think takes a step forward. Ryan Fernandez is a guy that they, they obviously picked up. I think he was the rule five pickup. So he'll be in the mix from the right side. Um, I I believe he was the, the, the fastball slider guy. Um, we'll see if anybody internally that you might consider to be part of the starting mixture, like a Adam Klofenstein, if he ends up maybe, uh, going to the bullpen, like, I don't think you could rule out any of these guys, potentially, uh, Sam Roberts, uh, you know, Nick Robertson is another guy that they picked up. I I think any of these guys could potentially be, you know, be viewed in a competition for roles on the big league roster heading into spring camp. So you looked up and down the list. James Nail still in the 40-man. Andre Palante is somebody that uh, right-handed technically, but they've used him more as a, a specialist and a guy who can face lefties and get the ground balls for them. So not necessarily somebody that I expect to be in a leverage spot. And then from the left side, what do you do with Zach Thompson? Um, like they've got a lot of lefties that I think that you could go into what you into spring training with what you have from the left side and say, probably okay, that situation is going to work itself out. Matthew Libertor is probably going to be considered among the lefties as well. Uh, with the way that the Cardinals are planning to use him. Could be as a starter, of course, but there's been enough tea leaves um, that, to me, suggest maybe he has a future as a relief pitcher. But that's a lot of lefties. I think you need one more reliable dude from the right side. Um, Will Guillermo Zuniga get an opportunity? Uh, Wilking Rodriguez coming back on a minor league deal? A lot of, you know, kind of maybes in that group, but I still look at the right side of the bullpen and maybe the Nick Robertson, you know, uh, Ryan Fernandez- grouping ends up being something that the Cardinals can find one right-handed pitcher that they, you know, they didn't really have before or they didn't know that they could count on before, um, and maybe that pans out. But I, I, spending a little bit of money on a righty wouldn't be the worst thing to me. But as it stands, Yuki Matsui, you're not going to say no to a guy with, who happens to be a lefty that does the things that he has done in his career in Japan. Uh, Wusuke Go is another guy uh, who is right-handed pitching in Korea, 25 years old. ERA kind of uh, ballooned a little bit this past season, but 59 strikeouts in 44 innings uh, with a 3.68 ERA. The previous season in the KBO, 2022 for go, was uh, 80 strikeouts in 60 innings. So he's a guy that, you know, entering the prime of his career, doing those things at 23, 24 years old, going to be, now he's 25. Uh, Wusuk Go is another guy that would be interesting in the uh, the international market. KBO probably lower level of play than what you would see in the, uh, the Nippon professional baseball organization in uh, Japan. But the Cardinals have had success bringing guys over from Korea, bringing guys over from Japan. Both of those guys, like I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cardinals go out and and do whatever it takes to sign both of those guys. Then that would obviously steer toward based on Moselle's conversation with Tom Ackerman. um, Hey, we want to shorten games. The way we decided to do that was strengthen the bullpen and have basically five or six spots, That are accounted for, and then have a competition for the last couple of spots because you can make the case that if they signed Go and Matsui, those two would join uh, one left, one right, which I think is a a great balance thing to have for your for your bullpen. Would join Romero, would join Helsley, would join Gallegos, and then you'd have guys like Ryan Fernandez from the Rule Five, Nick Robertson, who they picked up. You'd have a number of those guys. That was in the uh, O'Neill trade, I believe, was Nick Robertson. Number of those guys that are competing for a spot, like they're on the forty man. Some of those minor league starters are going to come in if they impress in camp as a starter. Doesn't mean they can't be turned into a relief pitcher at that point, and and I think you'd have what you're what you're p- potentially looking for in terms of just general depth. Now, what if they went the other direction? What if they didn't, you know, weren't able to land these guys in free agency, but th- th- they did find that there are starting pitchers available via trade that the Cardinals uh, find to their fancy, and they go that route. Because if you were able to make a trade which we've talked previously about how their rotation stacks up right now. We'll lay it out for you. At number one, it would be Sonny Gray based on the, the money they gave him. Number two, I would say is still probably Miles Michaelis. Number three, Lance Lynn. Number four, you could go a, a number of directions with it. Kyle Gibson to me is more of a number five. So I would say Kyle Gibson, number five, Stephen Matz, number four. And that's the way your, your one through five would line out just on paper going into the season with obviously guys like Zach Thompson, guys like Libertor competing in some capacity, Sam Robertsa, uh, Adam Kloffenstein, McGreevy, Graceffo, all those guys coming into camp, trying to earn a job, trying to um, show what they can do and impress the big league staff. That would be the goal for all of those guys and, and probably some names that I didn't mention that would fit into that category as well. Tink Hence may be a little bit too early to expect him to make that leap, but this is definitely the type of spring where you circle it for, for Tink Hence and say, If he impresses, maybe he starts the season in AAA or, or, you know, there's something that we don't expect to happen. He's able to make a quick ascent. Um, 2024 could be a huge year for Tinkins. So those are kind of the ways that it lines up. Now, if the Cardinals find that a Dylan C's trade is possible or another, uh, you know, I don't typically, when we talk about these conversations, tend to believe that Shane Bieber would be a good answer for the Cardinals. And the reason for that is his peripheral numbers have declined but people remember him as being this superstar guy. He's got this big recognizable name, Shane Bieber. You just feel like when you have a name attached to a guy that's almost overvalued based on his name because people know what he's done in the past and then they'll just say, well, that's going to be a tough guy to trade for. I don't necessarily get the sense that the Cardinals would get the best deal if it were a Shane Bieber trade because the Guardians would say, well, I mean, we got Shane Bieber here. You're almost paying for the name recognition of a guy and there's no value in that honestly, for the Cardinals. It's not to say that he wouldn't be a good clubhouse guy. It's not to say that he hasn't still pitched well, but the peripherals suggest that it's more on a precarious standing than when he was blowing guys away with strikeouts. That, that's just more reliable, more projectable as far as what a guy's going to do in the future. So if you're paying for the name Shane Bieber, you're going to pay more for a guy with the same peripherals and the same type, uh, type of statistics whose name is maybe not as flashy. So there's no sense in pay, overpaying for the flash of the name. Now Dylan Cease has a flashy name, but also even as he struggled this past season, the peripherals weren't so concerning in, in terms of like he was still striking out a lot of guys. He pitched on a White Sox team that had its issues, and so you can understand maybe why you know why things did not go as well for for a player that was pitching in that environment. That's kind of the the thought process too with uh, Lance Lynn. As I try to get my hair to cooperate, it just won't, it just never will. So that's maybe why the Cardinals look at Lance Lynn and say, hey, maybe he you know, is somebody that can bounce back. Maybe that's the way they would view Dylan Cease as well. A couple of years of control and have another, like, I'm not going to say he's an ace, but he's the guy that that you can consider toward the top of your rotation. And that's your one-two punch that the Cardinals are lacking. Sonny Gray, Dylan Cease would be a one-two punch. What it would cost to get him? Probably a, a lot. You're probably talking about subtracting from your position player group and your pitching prospect group. But if... That's something that the Cardinals would consider doing in order to improve for 2024 and even for 2025, knowing that you'd have Dylan Cease locked in for a couple of years, and then if things go well, maybe you talk extension and that gets pricey, but you worry about that when you have to. That could be a way to shorten games because Dylan Cease, effective pitching for six innings. To go with Sonny Gray, to go with, now you bump Lance Lynn down a spot in the rotation. Miles Michaelis is maybe your three or, or Lance Lynn, your four. Kyle Gibson, your five. And then you say, okay, now with Steven Matz, do you trade him, clear a little bit of salary that way to to make the Dylan Cease money not sting so bad? There's there's room to do multiple things here. Um, but trading away Steven Matz, if they decide to go get a pitcher for the rotation, would be the logical conclusion, I would have to think at this point. Because you, you have five guys that you're paying, and if you add a sixth one that uh, is toward the top of your rotation, somebody would have to get bumped out. Or you can keep Steven Matz aboard, because what do you know? Injuries always happen in spring training. So the Cardinals could say, look, Steven, you know, may, this may not be ideal for you, but for the team, I think what's best is come on down to Jupiter. We're going to need you. You're going to be an important part of this team. We just may not know exactly the role. You may be the swingman. You may be uh, pitching in relief like Steven Matz did last year. A- a- instead of signing Yuki Matsui for, you know, Steven Matz is going to make $11 million each for the next two years. I don't know what Yuki Matsui would make, but let's say he would get a $10 million Dollar annual value contract, let's say three years and 30 million. I don't know if that's high, if that's low. I I'm not gonna project it because the, the international market, it's gonna be difficult to tell. I think he's gonna be a very quality MLB reliever. So at least that amount would seem to make sense for me uh for, for Yuki Matsui, but let's just say it's in that range. The Cardinals could say instead of signing him, we've already got Steven Matz on board. We're going to just mentally log Steven Matz into that left-handed role from the bullpen. But if we do suffer an injury in in spring training to our rotation, suddenly Steven Matz is the same as it ever was back in the Cardinals rotation, just like they paid him to be two years ago when they signed him. That's a thought process and a way that you could go about that that would tell me, like, if the Cardinals are willing to spend on a left-handed reliever or any kind of reliever in free agency, they could be just as willing to pretend that Steven Matz ends up being that guy if they find a starter that improves their rotation and improves their ability to cover these innings, right? A holistic viewpoint of the pitching situation is that you've got innings to cover, nine innings per game, 162 games per season. How you go about doing it, you can be a little bit creative with that. You can be a more rotation-heavy team, or you can be a more bullpen-heavy team. I think, honestly, the way that the Cardinals are mapped out right now, it would make sense to beef up the bullpen because you have two starters at the back of your rotation and Lynn and Gibson that should go six or seven innings most of the time they take the ball. Yeah, they might give up four runs, and and, six innings, four runs is an ERA of what? Like six and a half or whatever that would be, Um, or or just six. 6.0 would be the ERA of six innings, four earned runs. Not ideal if you finish a season with with a six ERA by any means. But within the context of that baseball game, your starter went six and gave up four. What has your offense done? Maybe it's had a a great day, and you're up six to four after six. Or maybe it's a, a little bit of a struggle, and you're down four to two. Regardless of what your offense has done to this point, you should be in that baseball game and so not all six ERAs are created equal. That's you. That may sound like a disgusting phrase to say. And if you're a Cardinals fan, you may not be excited. There's nothing sexy about that. But I think the Cardinals are viewing that as absolutely a way that their season is, is unfolding. That's what their plan is by going out and getting Gibson and Lynn. Those guys may not have six ERAs. Kyle Gibson's been in the high fours. So let's have a better comparison of, you know, six and two third innings, four runs, or six innings, three earned runs, which would be a quality start. Those types of outings keep you in games. And we're talking about the Cardinals potentially getting that from the back end of their rotation. Guys at the front, like Sonny Gray, have got to do their jobs. Miles Michaels has got to be better and more effective with a lower ERA than he was last year because he can't be another one of those guys at the back end of the rotation. He's got to at least perform like a number three, which to me would mean getting close to that 200 innings mark, having an ERA of about 4 or 3.9 or 4.1, where more often than not he's going six innings, two earned runs, six innings, three earned runs, seven innings, three earned runs, those are the kinds of outings that Miles Mikolas needs to give. But if you can expect numbers three, four, five in your rotation to give you six or seven innings and three or four earned runs per game, what suddenly becomes the most important part of your pitching staff is your bullpen. You have to have guys. Okay, we're to the seventh inning. Turn it over to the guys that we know are good, and you don't have to worry about the, the the bridge relievers because the bridge was was crossed by the starter himself. That ends up being very valuable. So now you've got Gallegos in the seventh you know, Romero in the eighth, Helsley in the ninth, or something else they can do. Helsley can throw the ninth, Romero can throw the ninth. They've both proven the ability to do that. And so you can take a look at handedness within the opposing lineup and say, today it's going to be better for Helsley to pitch the eighth because of who's coming up in the order. And we know that Romero is going to have a better series of matchups if Helsley does his job in the ninth inning. And so... That offers flexibility where the Cardinals don't need to name a specific closer. Now, we talk about this every year and say, oh, there's no closer. They're going to be creative with it. And do we really ever see it? No, not really. The closer is the closer is the closer. That's typically the way that we see this playing out. But there is the opportunity to do it differently if the Cardinals still choose, if you have that balance at the back of the, the bullpen. Then you add Yuki Matsui. So you've got Romero and Yuki from the left side. And let's say you add Go uh, from the right side to have Gallegos, Helsley, and Go. All guys that if it's a seventh inning or later, that's five pitchers on a given day that you feel like could could fill the roles. And then two of them aren't available today, so it's going to come from the pool of the other three. And then tomorrow, Kyle Gibson throws six innings and gives up four runs, and you're right back in the same situation because the offense has scored three, and you're in this game. You can throw the guys that didn't pitch yesterday, and you can see how like that can be a way to cover innings and can make the signings of the starting pitchers that the Cardinals brought in make a lot more sense, right? Because if you bring in Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn, guys with higher ERAs, but have logged innings reliably, but you don't address the back of the bullpen to say like, that's the strategy of how we win those games five to four or six to five or four to three, then it doesn't really fit. Like the puzzle doesn't come together quite in the same way. But if you add those starters and say the reason that we're confident that these guys will be a real benefit to the team, even if their ERA is 4.95, it's because the guys in the back of the bullpen who pitch innings 7, 8, and 9 behind them in a tie game or a one-run game, their ERAs are 2 or 3.1. That ends up being a process that comes together and makes sense. That feels like the way to actually do it, in my opinion, from a postseason perspective. You've obviously got to get to October before you can start thinking about how your roster lines up for October. But what do we see in October is... Five and dive, right? We see guys that, you know, if if you have the types of guys that are going to go six or seven innings during the regular season and have a 4.8 ERA, those guys don't typically get postseason starts, but you could also go that direction and say, give us your best three innings during this, you know, trip through the lineup. And you could have one of those starters go three and a third or, you know, three innings, four innings, give up one or two runs. And then suddenly those five guys, that's your parade out of the bullpen because you trust all five of them the it's post-season baseball. So there is no such thing as being unavailable. And that's how you can win baseball games. Like it can work to not necessarily have multiple aces and win in the post-season. Having Sonny gray, obviously is one of the guys that can pitch in the post-season would be uh, a guy that you're going to have to rely upon similar to miles Michaelis. You could also do it the other way and say, rather spend that money on Dylan sees and maybe have a little bit lesser bullpen because we're leaning more on the starters. It's a way you could go. Um, and believe me, I wouldn't be complaining from a Cardinal perspective if that's the the approach that they took. Maybe you sign one relief pitcher and make a trade for somebody like Cease, and suddenly you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. I don't think the Cardinals are all that far away from having the pitching staff that can make it happen this coming season, but they will also need a top 10, maybe top 5 offense to go along with that. You also have the makings of that. I don't think it's necessarily set in stone that that's what you'll have, but there's reason to believe that it can can end up going that way with guys like Jordan Walker having a full season, taking a step forward, et cetera. So it's interesting to me. How do you view it as a Cardinals fan based on hearing from John Mozeliak, hearing um, kind of the directions laid out before you that the Cardinals could go? Which directions would you like to see the Cardinals go with this pitching staff in the days and weeks ahead? I think it's going to be uh, a period where we do see more action from the Cardinals in this regard. Whether it's a starter, whether it's a reliever, or perhaps multiple relievers sort of does remain to be seen. In my own personal estimation, though, I would say that the most likely thing is still relief pitching because there are obvious candidates that you can spend money on and make that happen, whereas as much as there are fits that we can connect the dots and say this guy would be a fit for the Cardinals via trade, you still have to execute that trade, and the Cardinals have not made that type of trade. Excuse me. The Cardinals have not made that type of baseball trade where you're giving a current asset or maybe a, a current asset with a future asset or two for somebody else's you know elite asset that they want to trade away. Cardinals trade Tyler O'Neill. that's a lower-scale deal. That was a guy they knew they wanted to get rid of and they wanted to bring in, you know, potential relief pitching help for him. This would be, you're getting a great piece from their side and it's going to cost you great pieces, and multiple great pieces from your side if you're talking about a Dylan Cease trade. Um, if the Cardinals really wanted to go crazy, I really do think that the way to contend best in 2024, if he's available, would be to trade for Dylan Cease and Luis Robert in one swing, which would probably mean, like, their pick of Nolan Gorman or Brendan Donovan, which I've said I don't, I wouldn't trade Brendan Donovan. Um, you know maybe Tommy Edmond goes in that too. I, the, it would co- it would be costly. Maybe Tim Kens is it would probably have to be involved in that, right? Like you're talking about nobody being off limits, uh, in terms of like pitching prospects. They they would kind of get their pick of the litter, but wouldn't that be an interesting alignment where your outfield would then be Lars Newbar, Luis Robert, Jordan Walker. You'd still have an infield of. Arenado, Mason, Wynn, maybe Win's involved and Edmund is your shortstop. I, I, again, I, I know that it would be costly and I'm not necessarily advocating for any specific package, but maybe this would be a, a topic to explore in a future episode. Throw down in the comments if you think so. Or if you think, no, that's not something the Cardinals should pursue. But if it's Arenado, Mason, Wynn, or Edmund, Donovan, or Gorman, whoever remains, is at second base, Goldie at first, Wilson behind the plate with uh, a hefty dose of Ivan Herrera, like, suddenly that is a robust lineup um, not 100% on Robert's center field defense, but I think he could probably handle it. So that would be another way that they could go. I just don't see the Cardinals like having the the, the stomach to swing big in that regard. That's not really something that they've done like ever in terms of making a blockbuster trade. They traded for Goldie. They traded for Arnauto. They didn't really give up pieces in those deals, right? Like they, they, right when those deals were made, you go, oh, you can stomach that. Um, The, the last like blockbuster deal, even the Ozuna deal, ends up being that you gave up multiple Cy Young caliber pitchers. You didn't know it at the time, but that's what it ended up being. But you didn't trade anybody that you were like, oh, man, that was the team's starting second baseman if you don't trade him. Like, that's what a deal for Cease would be. And then I'm throwing in Robert because it's fun to talk about. Never going to happen, but it's fun to talk about. What do you think should happen? What's realistic to happen for the Cardinals? Sound off in the comments section below. Make sure to hit subscribe on this video. More Cardinals content coming to you on this channel The rest of the way, as we march towards spring training, which I cannot wait to get down to Jupiter and cover spring training for the YouTube channel for the first time, because I started YouTube in April of this past year, basically like right after opening day is when I started posting to YouTube regularly. And now we'll have an entire spring training of content from YouTube um, from down in Jupiter. I will be there is the presumption. So that is something that you're not going to want to miss. So hit subscribe. Appreciate you guys as always. Drop your comments on the Cardinals pitching pursuits below. Let's see them, and uh, I'll reply to uh, however many that I can. Thank you guys so much for joining me. As always, we'll talk to you next time on Be shape Daily. Peace.